0: Welcome, everyone, to Westview Q&A, where we seek to respond to your questions. We hope these discussions encourage you and help you grow in your faith. I'm your host, Ryan Simunik, and I am joined by none other than Pastor Charlie Salomone. Hello, everyone. How are you today, Charlie? Good, good. Well, we've been doing these Q&As for a while now, in the Sunday gatherings and on this podcast. Charlie, you're a great preacher, and you could probably take up all that time on Sundays and even the time we have here to just simply preach. What is it about Q&A that you love so much? What is it about it that you find so valuable? And how, how is that connected to the heart of our church?
1: Well, uh, the good thing with Q&A is then we get to address the questions that are actually on people's minds. And... Sometimes I kind of think what those questions are, and I would like to think that I automatically have them in the sermon, but sometimes I don't. And also, a lot of times, you know, the sermon would be focused on a certain passage of Scripture, and I might just kind of uh, not totally be realizing what questions that would lead to. So it's great to just have the questions right there, uh, because a lot of times the question that one person is wondering, a lot of other people are also wondering— And uh, I just like the—I think there's something exciting about the spontaneity of it, where you don't really know what question is going to get asked. Sometimes, like—there are sometimes, like, tense moments, you know, when that happens. (laughs) Uh, But it's ultimately good, you know? And personally, I I think um, leadership in a church should not be afraid of that type of thing. Like, we should be— Yeah. We should be willing, you know, to answer people's questions and— uh, the truth isn't something that we ever need to hide, and so. Yeah,
0: right on. But doesn't it make you a little nervous to answer questions with little or no preparation?
1: You know, that's something that I suppose is just how God made me. Where I, uh, I, I think a lot. I wonder things a lot. A lot of the times, the questions that people ask are things that I've already wondered about. There are times when someone will ask me a question and I hadn't really thought about that a whole lot. And a lot of times, I'll either just wing it or <laughs> or I'll say, I don't really know, but I'll try, <laughs> you know. Um, I guess I think that I, I, I realize that people are... People are like, they realize that Q&A is just that. like You haven't prepared for all these answers. So people have, you know grace and understanding if you don't have like a top-notch answer for every question that's asked i think one of the things that might uh prevent um churches or pastors from doing this q a is that pressure to have like a perfect answer for Mm. everything and i think if you just take that off the table and say hey i'm just gonna do the best that i can and also and this is sometimes difficult when everything is recorded you know it's like uh realizing like uh um Kind of just the church needs to be a church that is grace filled and realizes that you know, pastors just doing the best they can the time given. And uh, there are times where I'm like, can we delete that from the recording? Can we not put that because I think I fumbled that? But uh, um, anyways, I think it's a value that we have that's like we want to strive for the truth, we want to strive for transparency, for just open, real dialogue, and we don't have you know, an expectation of always being smooth and professional and and uh, uh, everything doesn't need to be perfect and, and clean. It's okay if things are a little messy and spontan- uh, spontaneous. So I like it. I like everything about it. We started doing Q&A uh, because during the pandemic, we wanted to make things a little more engaging, and we discovered that it's so helpful that now the pandemic is... I hesitate to say over, but you know there is a, a return to what was almost normal before all this started, and we've decided to keep the Q and A indefinitely.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I love too that it it models for us um, sort of a humble posture as well, because I I think a lot of us feel a significant amount of pressure to have all the right answers, especially when we're out living our lives and people have difficult questions for us. I think you know when when you're answering questions and you can kind of model that for us that sometimes you're like, you know what? I, I don't really know. Let, let me think about that for a second. That's, that's or, you it. know, it's like, it's, it's all right. You don't yep. have to
1: know everything. Um, on that note, can we, can we tell people what we're planning? I, <laughs> I think we should. I think this is a good moment. A good yeah, time. Actually, yeah. Uh, so we've been doing this podcast for some time now and this podcast is the Westview Q and a podcast and it's just what it's called. It's that aimed it at, Uh, you know, answering some of the questions that were asked on Sunday. Um, But we have an idea for a similar podcast that'll have a little of a different feel and a very different target audience. Um, And what is it going to be called, Ryan?
0: The Know-It-All Pastor. The
1: Know-It-All Pastor. And I hope you're (laughs) laughing at home and you realize that uh, the Know-It-All Pastor will be Uh, We say that tongue in cheek. Well, because you know it all, that's why. Well, it it is because I know it all, but it's also (laughs) because uh, I'm not serious when I say that. It's a joke, um, where where we in our know it all pastor podcast will also be doing Q and A, and we will also, I think, have this posture of hey, we don't really know all the answers, but we're willing to give it our best shot, Uh, but. What we are going to be doing, and we have some ideas for how to do this, is we're going to be trying to field questions from those who are outside of the Christian faith, Yeah. and uh, and even dialogue with them to some degree, uh, having them on the show in different ways. Um, so since we're speaking to our church right now, I think we can ask the church to pray for that uh, little project we've been working on, and we'll... Yes. Keep you updated. I think that's going to launch pretty soon, Abadan. seems like there's it, a, yeah. a lot that's been in the works there. Yeah, so. look out for that, fam. Yep, look out.
0: Well, we have some wonderful questions that I'm really looking forward to discussing with you. So why don't we jump right in? And uh, thanks to everyone who sent these in. Here's the first question I love going to church, but I am in a very difficult situation that prevents me from doing this. So here is my question. Why, if my heart and passion is towards Jesus, I can't manage to go to church? Why does church service only have to be on Sundays? And am I the only one who does not have the luxury of worshiping our Lord with other Christians on Sundays? My daily prayer is, what is it, Lord, that you are asking of me? So... What would you say to this individual, Charlie, who wants to come to church on Sundays, but is being uh, prevented because of this difficult season of life they're in?
1: Yeah, Uh, well, you're certainly not alone. I mean, there are a lot of people that, just like their work schedule or uh, other circumstances, make it very difficult to come to church on Sunday. The first thing, you probably know this, but it's good to say it again, Um, the Sunday service is not the church. Hmm. It's part of the church. It's hmm. part of what the church does. It's healthy. It's uh, important. But being part of a church, sadly, there are a lot of people um, who go to church on Sunday, but are not really part of the church. I hate to say that, but that's hmm. something that I've witnessed over the years where they're part of the Sunday attendance, but they don't really give themselves. To the church family you can give yourself to the church you can give yourself to the church family and totally not be able to come on sundays there's a lot of other ways to do that there's other midweek things there's um there are relational aspects of being part of the church that is separate from any organized church function you know there's the element of just organically being uh, there for someone and being in relationship with other Christians to walk with and encourage. So I wouldn't elevate the Sunday service as being something that is so, um, like you're missing that and therefore you're missing church. Also, I think there is something just about your heart there. Like you're not able to come to the Sunday service, but you want to, you know, um, I would have much more concern of someone who isn't coming to the Sunday service and it's not a priority. It's not something they really want to do. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think there's probably other questions you might have about how to fill that void because there is something about being with a large group of Christians and worshiping together. And uh, I mean, when is our outdoor worship night, Ryan? What's the date on I mean, that? It's
0: uh, June first.
1: June first. So that's right around the corner. But I realize that's only one yeah. event. Um, one thing I would do is ask God to just show you uh, how things you could be doing to fill that void. And you can also ask God to put you in a circumstance where you can come to church on Sunday. Um, and but also just ask Him if not, what you could be doing instead. And Those are the sorts of prayers that God loves to answer. That's why I always quote Jesus' words, whatever you ask in my name, um, I'll give you. This is simply you praying uh, for a more opportunity to worship God and to be stirred by his truth. I think that's the exact sort of prayer he wants us asking. So ask that and uh, let me know what God says.
0: (laughs) Amen. I love that. Yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, Next question is there a difference between having doctrine and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit?
1: Um, there can be, for sure. Uh, as in, if you have, let's say you have doctrine that's good. Let's say you have doctrine that is, like, good and biblical. But your life is not filled with joy. Um, and and uh, you have... Doctrine that is good and biblical, but your life isn't like marked by just what we would call the fruit of the spirit, like love, joy, peace. The problem is that the doctrine you speak of, you don't really believe. Mm. I mean, I mean, you could be really proud of that doctrine. Sometimes you have people that are like, I love my doctrine and I'll fight for it. Mm. But if that doctrine is not producing fruit in you there's a disconnect there, all right? You might be proud of it, but it doesn't sound like you actually believe those things. Um, now, on the other hand, um, I think that there is... I've, I've heard um, people, and maybe they have good intentions, maybe not. I've heard people dismiss the importance of doctrine a passage that i just read today um, and i might even have it close by here um you know i didn't think about this earlier but um first timothy 4 verse 16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching, uh, The I think the NIV says, and on your doctrine. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your doctrine. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. How crazy is that? Okay? Watch your doctrine by doing it. And this is talking primarily to teachers, but... Uh, I think there's an element where this would apply to all of us. Watch your doctrine persist in this, for by doing so, keep a close watch on your doctrine. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And there's a question that someone might wonder of, like, well, what does our doctrine, teaching, uh, what does what the, the 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 scriptures have to do with our salvation in that sense? I mean, I thought we're saved by Jesus. I thought we're saved by what Jesus did. And so now what's this whole deal with, like, if we don't closely watch our, our doctrine, uh, it, there's, you know, eternal uh, risk, persistence, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. And the answer, this is 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you go to the beginning of 1 Timothy chapter 4, he says... Essentially, watch out because deceivers will go on deceiving and being deceived. Uh, The reason why you watch your doctrine is because there are lying spirits. There are voices coming uh, from from the flesh, so to speak. There are voices coming from other people, other sources. There are voices that want to steer you away from the truth of God, and you want to be ready. You want to recognize those voices for what they are. So, yes, uh, doctrine is infinitely important if you want to look at 1 Timothy four sixteen, 16. Um, but once more, um, it is very possible to be really proud of your doctrine and not have the fruit of the Spirit. And, and doctrine can be a source of pride rather than what it should be, which should be something that leads you to, you know, keeps you in walking in the the truth, which should bring forth not pride, but humility and grace and love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control.
0: Yeah. I think it's important to recognize that walking in the power of the Spirit also involves uh, growing in sound doctrine, right? So they're not, like, we don't want to create any kind of false dichotomies here. Like it says in uh, 1 John 4, 2, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit, and this is verse 3, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus um, is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. So, like, Jesus Christ coming in the flesh— that's a doctrine, right? Like that is that is a teaching of the church that yeah. if we don't hold to, it's very clear here in the scriptures, yeah. um, that we're not
1: Christians if we don't hold to that. Yeah, you you really can't escape it. I mean, no. someone who would say doctrine isn't important—that's your doctrine, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know.
0: Well, and it's like the, the the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth, so He's going to lead you into good doctrine. So, yeah. but I, I I agree with what you're saying as well, where it's like you can have doctrine and not actually believe it and not actually um, embrace it and live it out, but yep. I, I I, would, you know, and as we can see in the scripture, you can't walk in the power of the spirit and deny the doctrines, the core doctrines nope. of Christianity. Like, none of us are perfect, so we might have some error in our teaching or in our, in our belief, but uh, w- we have to be growing in sound doctrine if we're walking in the power of the spirit. Yep. Right on, anything else you wanna to add to that? Nope. All right, next question. Uh, in John 644 4, Jesus said no one comes to him unless the father draws him Romans 10:17 faith comes by hearing so we need to preach the word so people who the father is drawing hears um, and then can have faith sorry who the father drawing here and then can have faith how can we balance these two truths one no one seeks after God and two the father is drawing people to Jesus so I think I I think what this question is asking, so they're acknowledging that in in that first passage that uh, no one can come to God unless they're drawn, and then the other one, they're saying that faith comes by hearing, so people need to hear the word, but they're also contrasting that with this idea that no one seeks God, right? I think that's out of Romans 1. Yeah. So uh, they're sort of seeing this kind of contrast here.
1: Yep. Uh... I don't really see a, a contrast there. Sometimes there's, um, you know, different truths where you can put them together and you can kind of have a model. A lot of theology is is just that. It's different truths put together. And when you put those truths together, you develop a paradigm or a model of understanding.
0: I mean, these th- these truths actually work together beautifully because it's because no one seeks God that the Father is drawing people
1: to himself. That's exactly it. The idea is uh, left to our own devices, we don't seek God. Yeah. God is the one who has to make the first move... Uh, God is the one—theologians often use the word regenerate. God has to regenerate us where our hearts are dead, but he gives us life, and and that regeneration leads us to seek him. Um, Where people will—some theologians, ones that I tend to agree with, uh, would often say that regeneration is something that happens before one uh, becomes a Christian. Before Mm -hmm. you confess Christ as Lord, God is doing this work of, uh, old school, old school Bible. People used to say quickening God is doing this quickening, uh, you know, giving you life, uh, where, where you have people in the scriptures like Cornelius who is not a Jew, but he fears the Lord and Peter is sent to Cornelius and Peter comes and he says, you know, I'm here with a message by which you may be saved. So Cornelius is not saved yet, but it says that he fears God, and it's someone he he uh, recognizes God. Where there is clearly a work happening in, in his life, if you, it seems like Cornelius is someone who is seeking God. So what's what's the whole deal with like you know the scriptures that says no one seeks God, and then you see Cornelius someone who seems to be, and the idea is yes, Cornelius is seeking God, but that's because God is doing this saving work in Cornelius that comes to a you know uh it it comes it becomes definitive when he hears the word of Christ and believes but God is doing his work before that
0: amen amen it's a work of the spirit to give us the ability to understand and have faith in the gospel really
1: yeah that's that's um part of why we give all praise to God we can't take any credit that's it for the salvation we have because um, although, yes, we did choose Jesus, yes, we did choose to be a Christian, yes, I made that decision, I can't take credit for that, because the reason why I made that decision is, like Jesus said, no one can come to me unless my father draws him. God first did the saving work in me yeah. to open my eyes to want this Jesus. Yeah, so that's right. That, that's how I see the Bible. I, I feel like it's fair to say that there are some uh, Christians who love God's word, who... Uh, would answer that question a little differently. But I'm uh, the pastor here today, and so I'm answering <laughs> it the way that I see it in the Bible. Yes, yes. Yep.
0: In, uh, in Matthew 16, uh, Jesus asks Simon Peter um, who he says he is, and uh, Simon answers, you are uh, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven.
1: Yep, that's another example. Same thing. He opens our eyes.
0: Um, next question then, unless you have anything else to add. Nope. So uh, the next question is, I'm studying through First John to get the most out of Pastor Charlie's sermons. In 1 John two twelve to 14, it looks to me like there is a progression from little children to young men to fathers. Is that levels of spiritual maturity John is describing? If so, what are some practical steps we could take to mature spiritually? So uh, maybe we could break this up into the two questions there. The, the first question being, you know, when John mentions little children, young men, fathers, is, is he breaking down levels
1: of spiritual maturity? I personally don't think so, to be honest. I actually see that as more of a literary device. Where Okay, what's he doing there? I think that he is speaking to everyone, and but he's just kind of saying it in a different... Um, I could be wrong. I think he's just saying it kind of in different ways. Uh, dear children... Um, I mean, I think he calls everyone dear children. Just uh, in the beginning of the chapter, he says, my dear children, talking to everyone. And then later he says, I'm writing you, dear children. Um, uh, and then, you know, I'm writing you, fathers and young men. Uh, I th- I think that all these truths kind of apply to all of us in Christ. Um, so, but with, with that being said, I, I still think there's, you know, the question of how to grow and mature in the Christian faith. Yeah. And whenever you get a like a big, broad question like that, when there's mm. so much you could say, um, any answer I give is is just going to be a summary. But I will give it because I get this question a lot, and you've probably heard me answer it before. There's three things that I really believe if you are striving for these three things you will grow, and you will mature, and you will thrive as a Christian. And it's um, praying, reading the Bible, and prioritizing Christian relationships, as in the fellowship. Um, You focus on praying, focus on reading the Bible, studying the Bible, and these go together, all these go together. As you're reading the Bible, pray for God's wisdom, and... Uh, seeking real deep relationships with other believers. Part of that is worshiping together, um, just talking about the Bible together, praying together. See, all these are interacted. Uh, Prayer, uh, studying the Bible, reading the Bible, and um, fellowship, walking with other believers. You do those three things, you will certainly grow and mature in your Christian life. Can
0: I add another one? No. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the three. That's, That's it. it. That's all you can, you, you can add. What, what is it? <laughs> um, I think it's helpful to find somebody who's farther along in their journey with Christ, uh, a mentor of sorts, and seek to imitate them as they imitate Christ.
1: You can put that as a subcategory, of the third one.
0: Yeah, what was the third one again? Fellowship. I, w- I, I was people, listening. <laughs>
1: relationships with other people. Yes. You can, you can uh, have that as a sub.
0: Number three, A. Yep. Right on, right on. All right, I have another question for you now. We were talking a little while ago, I think this was a few months ago, we had a series that was being in the world but not of it. And uh, there's this idea of being set apart um, from the world for the sake of the world. So, my question is how does that play out in our daily lives? We've seen historically the issues that ensue when Christians embrace one side of these statements uh to the neglect of the other how do we how do we navigate the waters uh sort of between isolating ourselves from the world so much so that we lose our witness in the community and uh you know integrating so much that we lose our distinctiveness
1: being set apart biblically the way that we want to to be set apart is holy to be in the world and not out of the world is first and foremost, and I cannot stress this enough, a heart condition. Um, to walk in this world as aliens, set apart. I mean, that, thats the idea in First Peter. You know, we are aliens, and we're so different uh, than the people around us. We are resident aliens here. Is to to be an alien is a heart condition. And the way that this is really manifested is, like, in a radical way, we see the world different, Um, and and this is even more, in a radical way, uh, we have different values, um, uh, different—just that—because we see the world differently based on God's truth, uh, with that comes different values. And so— uh, in this way, we are not of the world, and part of the way that this will manifest is in relationships, is in those who are not believers, we will certainly love. We have to. We will certainly minister to, um, you know, share meals with, in, uh, with the hope of spreading the truth of Christ and sharing the love of Christ, but we will not have fellowship with, Okay. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I could have my neighbor over and he's you know not a believer and we can laugh together. Don't get me wrong, but there is something huge that is the most personal part of me that I'll never be able to share with someone who's not a believer. all right? Someone who God is not doing that saving work in. Um, we are not of the world because the world doesn't know us in that sense. There is a part of us the world does not know. But we know, just like Jesus, the world did not receive Jesus as a whole. They did not recognize him. Uh, but those who did receive, those who see him and share in that intimate part of who he is, uh, you know, we are the children of God. This is all John chapter 1. Uh, it's what we talked about, you know, last Sunday. Uh, so to be not of the world is, is that heart condition. And there's a lot I could say about that. And I already did say a bunch. Um how we live that out really is secondary. Okay. It's really secondary. Um, if that heart condition is there, it's gonna, it's gonna come out. You're not going to be comfortable and at ease doing the things you used to do. You're not going to be, you're not going to have a heart rest. Um, I mean the, the passage Uh, Do not be yoked with non-believers for what fellowship does light have with darkness? And there's a lot saying there. And on one hand, it's a command saying, like, be separate, okay? Um, But even more so, that passage is saying it doesn't make sense. Like, what fellowship does light have with darkness? Like, it doesn't doesn't work. Like, if you can have, like, real deep heart fellowship with non-believers, then you might be one, to be honest. Like, you if if i mean that's the question that's being posed like what fellowship is light have with darkness like there should be a tension there okay so that's
0: yeah could you unpack that a little bit more what you just said like i can i can imagine somebody hearing this might be like well i think of my non-christian friend that i just really love so much is 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 it wrong
1: that we have such a deep friendship it is good that you love them so much Don't get me wrong. It is good that you have that love. And it's possible that God is doing this like saving work in them. And it's like, it's like a, um, you know, sometimes you can feel like you have like fellowship with someone and and it's kind of like they're coming to the light. But what I'm saying is if someone is not a believer, as in like that, the things of God, they're not really interested in talking about. And you're able to just kind of set that aside so that you can be friends with them and you're able to really experience deep heart fellowship, then there's something wrong with you in the sense of like that should be the most personal thing about us. And so being able to share that, being able to share like your relationship with God with someone else, that is fellowship. That is true fellowship. So yes, we can have good relationships with non-believers. We can care about them. We can laugh with them. But it's, it's not going to feel like real fellowship because it, it isn't.
0: Yeah, I wonder if maybe you could speak some words of encouragement to uh, those of us who maybe are feeling like we have a lack of boldness to really be separate in our encounters with with mm-hmm. non-Christians, right? I'm, I can already imagine that some people might be listening in and feeling like, oh, you know, I, I, I don't think I'm distinctive enough or I don't think I'm set apart enough.
1: Well, I mean, it's good to be. I actually wish that I was more involved with non believers. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish I had more. I mean, I wish I had more of my neighbors that come over more often or I go to their house. So I wouldn't feel guilty about having those relationships. And yeah, I mean, it's normal also to pray for more boldness. So you can kind of share Christ and have opportunities to do that. To be honest, I'm more concerned about the person who has their relationships with non-believers isn't sharing Christ and isn't even really concerned that they're not sharing Christ. Mm. It's more, um, sadly, those people are probably not listening to this podcast. (laughs) You know, the nature of how those things work. But um, but uh that's really um you know, this is, this is a classic example. This might sting, but here we go anyways. Um, you know, you'll have someone who is a professed believer and they'll get into a romantic relationship with someone who isn't. And, you know, that'll that'll just continue. And I'll be honest, that really raises questions to me does this person really believe and care about the truth? A lot of times it starts and, you know, the believer will say, you know, I started and we have this in common, we have this in common, but we don't have this in common. And I just feel like I can't go any farther in this relationship because there's something really big that's missing. But a lot of other times you'll have the person who's a professed believer just say, hey, I'm willing to just leave that alone and, you know, marry this person and be with this person. And I would just say that's really concerning because you should be feeling a great tension there because on a heart level, if you're a believer, there's something very different. So as much as you might care about this person, I don't know how you can really have that deep heart intimacy uh, with someone who you can't share what should be the most personal thing about you yeah. you know, with them. You know, I think
0: uh, in this conversation, a really helpful passage is from Matthew five thirteen to 16, where Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. both, both ideas there. You know, it's like, if you're not distinctive, if you're not set apart, if you lose your saltiness, there's salt can't preserve anything if it loses its saltiness. Right. So it's like, it's, it's no good. Yeah. Um, so it's like, <laughs> we have to be separate to be any good towards the world. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Um,
1: if, is this a, the place where I can say something funny? My old buddy Brogan, uh, back home, he talked about that verse, say, uh, you know, if salt loses its saltiness, it's not good for anything. Not even the uh, the manure pile—that's what the the scripture says. And Brogan says so. In other words, <laughs> if you if you lose your your witness, you lose your saltiness. You're worth less than crap. <laughs> that's what it, I guess. I guess that's what it says. Yeah. It's,
0: that's I guess that's the sentiment, right? Yeah. <laughs> I imagine this is more about preservation than food, right? But I think I guess it works for food too. That you wouldn't put salt that doesn't taste salty on your food. You'd just be wasting your time. Yeah. but but then then you also have this idea too where it's like you're the light of the world so if you're gonna go hide yourself how are you any good right so there's this idea of like yeah be separate be distinct but also let your light shine so that people would see right and that they would glorify your father in heaven so you
1: know as i'm just thinking like i think the call to be separate a big part of that is to be unique As in to be different, not so much to be closed off, you know? Right. I mean, there is certainly an element of there are ways that we do need to separate, but a lot of it is just, like, to be in a separate category, okay? Rather than to, like, be in a separate, you know, like, everything else, like... You're in a, you're in a different category. You're different.
0: Well, and and Israel as a nation was called to be a holy nation, so that the other nations would be blessed, right? So yeah. that so that they would see who the true God is. I think in the same way, He's calling us His church to be that, mm-hmm. to be a people that are that are holy and set apart, so that people would look and go, yeah, like they they would glorify God by by seeing yep. how we live.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So no, I think that. I think that covers both of those sort of extremes. Uh, Is there anything else that you uh, might add to that?
1: No, I think that's good for today.
0: Okay, right on. Well, I think that's all the time we have for now. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you have a question you'd like to answer, you'd like us to answer, or a comment about something we talked about on this episode, please send us an email to ask at westviewmontreal.org. That's ask at westviewmontreal.org. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Take care.